Hebrews 12, verses 6 to 10. So, commencing with verse uh, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimates and not sons. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject in subjection under the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. We just ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Father, we do thank you for that uh, wonderful reminder um, of how much you care for us. Uh, Father, if you care for the sparrows, then how much do you care for us? And I pray, Father, that we might um, just rest in that care today as we open up the scriptures and we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we've been uh, informed, today is Father's Day. And I've said it before, but it's true that God didn't institute Father's Day, but he did institute fatherhood. In fact, God calls himself a father. So it's entirely appropriate to preach to and about fathers. Now I want us to notice in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, the expression, the fathers of our flesh, the fathers of our flesh flesh. One thing that can't be denied for every one of us here is that we, we all have a father of our flesh. Uh, this is our male human parent into whose family we were born. Now for some, the father of our flesh, our earthly father, has been a great disappointment. I know that's true. Now that could be because he has been an absent father. Or it may be because you've never really known your father. He may have been an abusive father or a selfish father. And so your father has been a disappointment to you. Others of us have had a good father to one degree or another. For some, our father was a believer, a Christian. For others, he was not. There's a wide range of experience of fatherhood just in our small group. The fathers of our flesh can evoke an assortment of feelings just in our one congregation. But no matter who our father is, the next verse tells us that the father of our flesh, his influence is only temporary. Verse 10, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, etc., etc., those who have been the fathers of our flesh, <clears throat> they are, their influence over our lives really only needs to be temporary. In the light of eternity, the days our fathers get to correct us are just a few days. In the light of eternity, just a few days. But even in this life, their authority over us is only during our childhood. 
when we leave their homes, uh, the fathers of our flesh can no longer have that authority over us. The father of our flesh is one of the fathers that these verses mention. But I want you to notice the other father that is mentioned. In verse 9, the father of spirits. Furthermore, we had our fathers of our flesh, that's our earthly fathers which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? The writer of the Hebrews encouraged his readers to be in submission to the father of spirits. Now this of course is a reference to God, God the father. Our earthly fathers are fathers of the flesh, but God is father of spirit, the spirit. They're opposites if you like. The flesh is earthly and temporal, but the spirit is heavenly and eternal. Now there is a sense that God is the father of every spirit, of every person. He is our creator who made us. And uh, whether we acknowledge it or not, God is the father, our father in the sense of being our creator. And if for no other reason we ought to submit to him, we ought to submit to him um, as the father of spirits because he is our creator. King David realised this and put it in a psalm, Psalm Psalm 95 verses 6 and 7. He said, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The God of the Bible is our creator. He is the father of spirits. We are body, soul and spirit and that's because that's what he made us to be. So if for no other reason we should reverence him and submit to him as the father of spirits, our creator. But there is another sense that God can and wants to be our father. He wants to have a personal relationship with us as our heavenly father. He wants to be our heavenly father. We have our fleshly father. He wants to be our spiritual father. But for him to be our heavenly father in this this sense of having a relationship with us, We must first be born into his family. That's how we entered our earthly family. Think about it. We were born into that family. We had no choice in that. But we entered our earthly family by being born into it. And we enter into God's family by being born again. Let's go to that familiar passage in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. How do we enter God's family? so that he can be our heavenly father. Well, we have to be born into it. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. tells the story of this uh, man, Nicodemus. He was very um, learned and uh, admired and and respected man in in Jerusalem. And we read um, in John 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do miracles, these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that's the first birth, and the, sec and the spirit, that's the second birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, the flesh and the spirit. Fathers of our flesh, we enter into his family by birth, and we enter into the father of the spirit's family by also by birth, the new birth, a second birth. To enter the kingdom of God, a person has to be born again. Now, Nicodemus was a very religious man, and, and it wasn't Islam, it wasn't uh, any, any of those ancient religions. It was the right religion. It was the religion of the Old Testament. He was a very religious man in the right religion, but religion couldn't get him into God's family. He was a Pharisee, but it wasn't enough. Nicodemus, we know from history, was a good man, but good works couldn't get him into God's family. Nicodemus attended God's temple, but being a part of God's temple couldn't get him into God's family. Jesus made it very clear to him to, that to enter God's family, he had to be born into it. He had to be born spiritually. You see, we are born into this world through our mums and dads. We are born spiritually dead. But if we want to enter God's family, we have to be spiritually made alive. We have to have that spiritual new birth. And it's the same for us today. Religion, good works, or going to church can't get us into God's family. To be a part of God's family, we have to be born into it. But how can we be born again? What have we got to do? How does that happen? Well, that was Nicodemus's question. Have a look in verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be born? I said, How can these things be? And he'd asked earlier on, Can a man enter into his, his mother's womb a second time? And of course the Lord Jesus said, Well, well that's, not, that's not the way you were born the second time. That was a physical birth. You need a spiritual birth. Well, how? How can we have that spiritual birth? That was his question. Well, after rousing on Nicodemus for not knowing how, because he was a Pharisee, he should have known from the Old Testament exactly how he could be born spiritually. So after rousing on Nicodemus for not knowing, Jesus went on to tell him, to tell him and all of us, how we can be born again. How can we be born again so that we can enter God's family and have God as our Heavenly Father. Well, he went on to tell us in verses 14 to 17. That's really what Jesus is doing. He's telling us how we can be born again. Verse 14, And as Moses lift up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth him on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus told these things to Nicodemus when he said, How can I be born again? This is the answer. Jesus used a story from the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have been familiar with. 
about how Moses lifted up that serpent on a pole, that brass serpent. All the Jews, the, the children of Israel had been bitten by snakes and if they wanted to live, if they wanted to survive the snake bite, they simply had to look at that, that serpent on the pole. They had to look at it and live. And Jesus used this illustration to foretell his own death. For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The picture's there. One day in the near future, Jesus would be nailed to a Roman cross and then lifted up to bear the penalty for the sins of the world, to bear the penalty that we need to pay or should pay for our sins. And so Jesus told him what he needed to do to be born again. He needed to believe in him. He needed to believe that he had died uh, that, that Jesus had died for him, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For Nicodemus to be born again, he needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the, how it is for us today. If we want his death to be true for us, if we want the payment that he made for our sins to be put to our account, then we need to believe in him. Just as the Israelites dying from the snake bite had to personally look to the serpent and live, so we have to look to Jesus with the eyes of faith to have everlasting life and be born into God's family. In John 1, 11 and 12, John told us that Jesus came unto his own that's the Jewish people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons. The Greek word there is the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. We are born again when we believe in Jesus Christ to be our saviour, our sin bearer. And when we do believe in him, we become a, a child of God. And we enter his family, and he becomes our heavenly father. Not just the father of spirits, not just the, our creator, but he becomes our own personal heavenly father. And I hope everybody here today has been born again. I hope you have entered into God's family. Now, if you haven't been born again, then you are in a dangerous position according to the Bible here because it says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. If you haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're still under the condemnation of your own sins. And if you were to die in that position, you would spend an eternity in hell for your sins. In the judgment, Jesus will say to those who are not his own, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so we need to believe in the Lord Jesus to be saved from the condemnation on our sins. But the blessing is that we can become a part of his family by believing in him. So why not? If you haven't already been born again, if you haven't already believed in the Lord Jesus, why not come to him, come to your creator and let him be your father while you can? But for those of us who have believed in Jesus, 
we already have this eternal life. And one of the blessings of being a Christian is that you get another father, as I said. You get a heavenly father, not just the father of your flesh. You, be, you have God as your heavenly father. Now, some of the fathers of our flesh are pretty good. You might be thinking of your dad and think, he is pretty good. Ah, some are smart, some are talented, some are famous, some are wonderful, some of us, well, we're, we're all of those things, I suppose. Uh, just that's the way it is. <laughs> but no matter how good we may be, none of us could compare with how great a father is the father of spirits. He is a wonderful, wonderful father. He is wonderful. He is a great father in every possible way. Now, think about having a father who is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. Well, that, if that's not enough, there, he is much, much more than this. He's the best father that any of us could ever have. He is holy. So he will never make us do wrong things and he will never sin against us. He is loved, the Bible tells us, so he will never hurt us and he will put his arms around us when we need it. He is truth, so he will never lie to us or lead us astray. And we could go on and list all of God's divine attributes to see what a great and loving father he can be. But I just want us to, for the time that we have left, I want us to see a few things that come out in the book of Matthew the Gospel of Matthew. I just want to show you a few things that Jesus told us about his father. In John 6, 46, Jesus told us this. He said, Not that any man hath seen the father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the father. No one has seen the father except the son. No one has seen uh, the father except the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus came from heaven. He knows the father better than anybody. And so why not let him tell us about his father? He knows him best. Have a look in Matthew chapter 6. And the blessing of uh, what Jesus has to tell us is that he, he, he refers to his father, God the Father, as our father too. Those of us who have believed, he includes us so that um, God is also our Father. So let's have a look at a few things about, about uh, God and what a great Father he is. Matthew 6, 1, Take heed, Jesus said, that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Now, notice how Jesus referred to God as your Father. We know he was the Father of the Lord Jesus, but, but he's also our Father. He's the father of all who believe. And our father in heaven wants to reward us for doing good in secret. Which really means he wants us to do good for the right reasons. People do good work so everybody can look at them and say, oh, what a, what a great chap he is. No, if you want to do good, do it in secret. Do it for the right reasons. And if you do, your father will reward you. And isn't that what all good dads should want for their children. They should want their children to do good deeds and they should be fathers who are willing to reward their children for doing good things. In fact, we who are fathers, 
we all fathers here and now can learn to be good fathers from the example of our heavenly father. I know that some of you haven't had the example in your life of a father or any father or of a good father or of a Christian father. So what, what, what is a good father like? What should he do? How should he treat his children? Well, look to your heavenly father. That's what we're doing. We can learn to be good dads by knowing how good God has been to us. Have a look in Matthew 6. Jesus knows the father the best. What else does he say about the father? Matthew 6, verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore, be ye not therefore like unto them, for your father, your father, knoweth what things ye have need of, before you ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice again that Jesus referred to his Father as our Father. Um, he's making it very clear that, that God is the Father of all those who believe. And, and here we learn that our Father, our Heavenly Father, wants us to talk to him. Isn't that a blessing? God wants, uh, our Father wants us to talk to him. He wants us to tell him our needs, even though he knows them before we pray. You know, he's not like some earthly fathers, many earthly fathers who don't seem to, to want their kids to talk to them. They, the kids want to spend time, the kids want to ask them a question, but they fob them off or they don't have time for their children. Um, they don't have, they don't seem to want their children to talk to them and they don't want to talk to their children but not our Heavenly Father. He wants us to talk to him and we dads can learn a lot from our Heavenly Father. We need, to, we need to let our children know that we want them to talk to us and we want to talk to them. Have a look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. How else is, what other kind of uh, qualities are in the, the fatherhood of God? Verse 14, he said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forg forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here we learn that our Heavenly Father will forgive us. And yeah, that just rolls off the tongue, but you don't realise what a precious thing forgiveness is. Now, it's easy for me to forgive somebody because I've probably done this, whatever they did wrong, I've probably done it myself because I'm a sinner myself, but God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's the just one. But he is willing to forgive us our sins and our trespasses. But he first wants us to learn to forgive others. And this is a good thing, isn't it? Not all fathers are forgiving. They hold grudges and they can become bitter. Some people will not have talked to their father for a long time because he's, he's got angry about something and he's not associated himself with the family for who knows how long and it's simply because he's not willing to forgive. Many fathers are like that but not our heavenly father. You know when he forgives us, the Bible is there's verse after verse and they can spring to your mind straight away. When, when he forgives us, he remembers our sin no more. It's as far as the east is from the west. Our heavenly father, he'll forgive us but he wants us to learn to forgive others first. 
You know, I think all dads can learn from our Heavenly Father. He, we ought to be fathers who are willing to forgive and forget, but also to teach our children to be forgiving. What about Matthew 6, 31 and 32? What else can Jesus tell us about the Father? Verse 31, 32. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherefore shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Our heavenly Father knows what our needs are. Isn't that a comfort? He cares for us and he provides for his children. And this is what any father should know about his children. Uh, mothers usually know what their children need. Uh, they're up to date with uh, where their children are at in life, but fathers aren't often the same as the mothers. And you ask them something about their children, and I say, I don't really know. I'd love to ask the wife. <laughs> our Heavenly Father's not like that. He knows our needs and he provides our needs. And I think this is a good example for we who are fathers. We ought to know and care not necessarily what our children want, but what they need and we ought to be willing to provide for them. That's the example set by our Heavenly Father. Have a look at Matthew 7 verse 11. If ye then being evil, this is Jesus speaking, know how to good give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, here he is again, your Father, that's our Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him. Our Heavenly Father gives us good things. He is generous and his gifts are good as opposed to being evil or harmful in any way. He's, he gives us good gifts. He gives us gifts, he is generous and they are good gifts. You know, fathers can sometimes be stingy because they're selfish. Or they can be undiscerning in the gifts they give. <laughs> you see them giving the, this uh, money or something to their children and, and mum standing over here thinking, ah! <laughs> not discerning. That's not a good gift. I wonder how many dads gave that alcoholic their first drink. And they'll boast about, I gave my son his first drink and probably put a gun to his head because he turned out to be an alcoholic. Dads need to be generous when they can and give good gifts just like our Heavenly Father. We can learn a lot from our Heavenly Father. And you know, there are many other things, many other areas and ways that God is a good Father. And you can look for them yourselves as you read through your Bible. I'm just giving you kind of little sample there. If you want to know how to be a good father, if you mainly didn't have that example in your own life, then turn to the Father of Spirits, your Heavenly Father, and he'll show you how to be a good father. But there are just two more things I want to show you that are unique to him. To God the Father will be pretty hard for us to beat. Just turn with me to Matthew 25, verse 34. Matthew 25, verse 34. Key word here is inherit. Verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you 
from the foundation of the world. Our Heavenly Father will give us an inheritance in his kingdom. <laughs> the Apostle Peter told us that it is, an, it is an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. It's already there for all those who are his children, an inheritance in the kingdom. And I think all dads should hope to leave an inheritance for their children. Surely that's the hope of all parents. But the best inheritance we can give our children is to teach them about heaven. Think about it. You know, my dad didn't have much in worldly possessions to leave his kids when he recently passed away. And you know what? None of us really, none of us really cared. But when my dad was alive, he told us about heaven and he told us how to be a part of God's family. He told us about Jesus and how to trust in him. So in a very real way, my dad and mum gave us the keys to God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is eternal. So my dad's inheritance was the best inheritance any father could give. Fathers of our flesh, they can give us an inheritance, but you can only have it for as long as you're on this earth. But what my parents were able to give me, and my father especially was able to give, give me, was an eternal inheritance in heaven. And so my dad's inheritance was the best a father could give. And you know, I hope all of you who are fathers here today can give this inheritance to your children. Oh, it's good to have them, you know have provided for them for when you go in this world but it's more important to provide for them in the world to come because that is the one that is eternal and this is just just a, another way that God is, is such a good father to us he has made us to inherit the kingdom but one last one in chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 one last way that God is a good father. You know these verses. Jesus again. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. They are one God, three persons. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now what this tells me is that our Heavenly Father wants, to, wants us to be a part of the family business. He wants us to be a part of the family business. He, wants, he has given us a commission and he wants us to fulfil this commission until he takes us home. He wants us to tell others how they too can know him and be saved and escape the condemnation on their sins. And we can be a part of his commission, his desire for this world. It's the Father's business and we ought to be about his business. We fathers of the flesh can learn a lot about fatherhood from the father of spirits. Perhaps this Father's Day is difficult because the father of your flesh wasn't what he should have been. But what a blessing on Father's Day that we can rejoice and what a great father we have in our Heavenly Father.
I hope he's your heavenly father. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, that is how you've taught us to pray. We pray to you as our heavenly father. And Father, we do thank you for being a father to us. We know that some of us, Lord, have not had such a good experience of fatherhood in this world. Oh, but we thank you that even now we can know you as our heavenly father. And I pray that we won't focus on the negatives of our disappointing fathers, but we'll be able to focus on the positives of our heavenly father. For we, Lord, who have such good experiences of our fathers, they were good and godly fathers, we thank you for them. Thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray that, Father, we who are fathers or grandfathers, I pray that we would, Lord, uh, look to you for that example of how we ought uh, to father our children, uh, that we might be able to lead them to the Saviour, that they might also have that inheritance in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to turn.